Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah, Mr. Lionel Richard, this morning. And Jesus is love. And Lionel sang that thing like he really know what he's singing about. And so I'm grateful this morning unto Almighty God and thanking for another week ending and a new week beginning. Thanking for this Monday morning I've never seen before. I'm grateful unto him. I appreciate him. I love him today. <clears throat> and, uh, Happy, happy that he's on my side in spite of me. He yet looks beyond fault, and yet need I need. I'm grateful unto him. He said we can cast our cares upon him, for he cares for us. When I think on these things, it just gets me motivated, inspired, and encouraged to go further in him. Today we may get a chance to talk about Putting God first. Put God first. Do we put him first when we wake up in the morning? Is he the first person we speak to before we speak to anyone else? Hallelujah. Do we give him the first fruit of our day? The first fruit of everything that we own goes to him. Yeah. And so we're thankful. We're thankful that we can do this and that he keep us safe and sound. Yeah, he keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. No calamity shall come now our dwelling. If we need to be in a safe place, he will put us in a place of safety. And I'm grateful unto him. Good morning to you, Brother Lewis. It's turning cooler. It's turning cooler. I'm excited. Good morning to you, Sister Dr. Goodman. Good morning to you, Sister Irene. And, uh, I'm learning that they're charging people um, to call into the show. But I thought when you have unlimited calling and uh, free calling, everybody in the world now make long-distance calls, I'm thinking, for free. On your phone, you just dial the number, area code one, area code and number. Now, I understand charging for overseas, but I don't understand for charging right here 
in these United States of America dialing an American area code and phone number. But we're going to pray and ask the Lord to fix that for us because many people want to come in, but if they're charging you one cent a minute and you're going to be here, what, 180 minutes, that's a dollar and 80 cents every day. That adds up on your phone bill. Yeah. And some people are already struggling to pay the cell phone bill. And now you add this. That's a bit too much. But we're praying. We're praying. And our intercessors, I need y'all to pray for me today. And uh, I need you to uh, pray for my spiritual son. His name is Trayvon. So if y'all will keep Trayvon lifted in prayer for me, I would greatly appreciate that. Hallelujah. And keep Laura. My God, baby, keep Laura in prayer as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Grateful, grateful. So listen, we're going to take a listen to put God first. Pay close attention. Close attention to this. He's going to pray a a powerful prayer. Oh, I love listening to this. So y'all take a close listen. Did you know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, We experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing Him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. 
life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols, so this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. 
He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10, verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. 
The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order with God at the center. Number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments, the smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. 
the promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from his throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand Life's True Purpose have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10 verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. 
It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ, who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3, verse 20, God extends an open invitation, saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life, and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent. And those challenges we encounter, they evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. 
Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare, in the name of Jesus, that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first to reorder our priorities and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus.
You can help us to reach more persons and spread the gospel. You can do this by sharing the video with a friend or family member who you know needs the blessing of this prayer and by clicking the like button. Also remember to subscribe to the channel for more videos that will bless your heart.
nobody greater. Nobody greater, Jesus. Nobody greater than Nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Now lift those hands, singers, and let's just give them the glory. Nobody greater, nobody greater. Couldn't find nobody, nobody greater than you. I dare you lift your hand and say that with us tonight. Come on, nobody greater. like I was casted out from a church, right? I felt like I was invalidated from that no more. And as the years passed by, I joined the motorcycle club, a one percenter club, that I go so deep into it that to me, I knew it as a brotherhood. May 5th, I got arrested in 2014. I had four felony charges, assault, terrorist threats, brandishing a knife, gang enhancement. And I remember being in jail, sitting in my bunk, and I just remember shaking my head. My God, I'm here because I'm not walking with you. I'm doing it my way. But my way is just taking me to jail. If it's not going to be jail, it's going to be death. And when I'm asking God for direction, my mom invited me to Mexico. There was this pastor there, and I remember seeing them preach as I get to Mexico. As I'm walking through the doors, I start crying. I'm seeing my mom pray for a woman. I'm seeing these brothers of Christ laying hands on the men. And as my mom walks back to me, I remember hugging my mom, crying on her shoulder, telling her, Mom, this is what God has called me to do. I was born in Los Angeles, California with a mother that accepted Christ. You know, and I was in her womb when I was like seven months in her womb. She accepted Christ. And I came into this earth in 1988 of June 15th. And my mother going to church always took me to church as a newborn, you know, which my father didn't want nothing from God. You know, my mom's family, a lot of them were believers, followers of Christ. So... I was brought up in a Christian home. You can say a mother always talking to me about the word of God, putting worship music, you know, trying to keep the peace and trying to bring my father to the ways of Christ, which, you know, later on, you know, years passed by and, you know, my mom had her second child, which my brother, and then he had, she had my sister, which were three siblings in total. Growing up in the land empire, after we moved from Los Angeles, I was about five years old and I remember going to school and going to church, and my mom will always try to keep us together, protected from any harm, from no one to come and hurt us as children, you know, which we know the devil came to steal, to kill, and destroy. So at a young age, you know, I used to have family members come over the house, cousins, and at age five, I had an experience where I got molested by a cousin of mine, and I, I didn't understand, you know, I just thought it was something to do, and, you know, which... Things happened at that time, you know, which later on my mom found out. 
And I kept quiet from it. You know, I didn't know how to talk about it or speak about it as I'm growing up. So I kept this resentment in me and, and hurt that I knew there was something not right about being touched as a child, you know. And later on, you know, you know, I just had this thing to tell my cousin one day and ask him, why'd you do that? And my cousin responded with the word saying, well, it was done to me by a family member. So he passed it on to me, you know, it was like a chain and an attachment, you know, which I knew at that time was I had to bring it up and now I'm going to live with this forever in, in my heart. So I felt free from it at the time. And I was like, well, I got to move on from this. And I forgave my cousin at a young age, you know, and, and I kept going on forward with my life, which later on, you know, growing up, my mom never wanted me to do drugs. My mom never wanted me to join gangs. Mijo, she would always tell me, Mijo, you need, you need God in your life. You need to go to church with me. So then I got introduced playing the drums in church, and I started serving in a church, you know, playing the drums at a young age. But then later on, you know, there was the world, too, at the same time that I got introduced to drugs. I got introduced to, to weed. I got introduced to cocaine. I got introduced to meth, to alcohol, all at once. Everything just kept coming at me just at once, just getting hit with these decisions I was making, you know, and, and doing them. Then later on, I found myself deep into drugs at a young age, but still going to church. So I had one foot in church and one foot in the world. And, and Edwin, real quick, the introduction of all of these things, where was that? Was this just a product of your environment? Were you, you know, interested? Where was all of that coming from? When I got introduced to drugs, it all started in high school. I used to ditch school at a young age. I didn't want nothing to do with school. I thought being accepted by kids or, or, or being smart, I thought I was going to be made fun of, you know, which actually being smart was actually the best thing to do because me ignoring the things of school, I even dropped out of school. You know, I just wanted to be accepted. It felt like I was a cool kid the whole time, which reality, you know, all these decisions that, that, that led me to this, you know, was just people were doing things like this. And I got introduced to these drugs and, and things in life by following the wrong people, which this whole time my mom was trying to lead me to follow Christ. And I kept ignoring that walk, you know, which was right in front of me the whole time. My mom was a perfect example, which I ignored that perfect example, which was my mother. And as time was going on, you know, you know, I left the house at age 17. You know, me and my mom had a big argument, you know, so I was pretty much living with my dad at the time. And I seen my dad selling drugs, doing things that I never thought I'd see. And doing drugs at the same time, I saw my dad doing them. And to me, it was like, well, you know, my dad's doing drugs. I could do drugs more and more. So I started consuming cocaine at a young age to age 17. So I'm with my father. I will even steal his drugs just for me to take it and use it and go give it to my friends at the time that I used to hang out with. Then later on, at you know, as years go by at age 19, I can't get away from cocaine. And I kept doing it and doing it until this one night. I remember hanging out with some friends at the time. I remember finishing a whole bag of cocaine, which in the streets is known as an eight ball. And I went to go ask for more cocaine from one of my friends. I go, hey, man, can I, can I have some more of, of that cocaine? And I remember doing those last three lines in the bedroom. I had my own mirror, and I had them lined up, and I did them. But something felt different. Something didn't feel right. As my heart was beating fast and fast, I started panicking. Something deep inside me kept telling me, you're going to die. That's it. You're not going to survive this. And they rushed me to the hospital once they saw me having these shakes. And they rushed me to the hospital. I remember making it to the hospital right on time. As I get to the hospital, I just remember waking up on the hospital bed. 
And this young nurse comes up to me and goes, Edwin, if you keep doing this, you could die. And I remember just looking at myself and looking at one of my friends waiting for, for me right there next to me and just shaking his head too, like saying, what are we doing? And later on, after I got out of the hospital, I went to go say sorry to my mom one night. And my mom said, it's okay, amigo, you know, you need help. And as I'm crying out for help, you know, this, I didn't know what kind of help I needed at the time. But as I'm asking my mother if I could stay there with her because I couldn't go back where I was living. I couldn't go back and hang out with those friends I used to have at that time. I just felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed for what happened to me. I didn't know how to feel accepted. I didn't know how to go about it. And my mother told me that day that I went to go apologize to her because me and my mom had a big argument where I would disrespect my mother. I would curse her out. I would say evil things towards my mom. Really disrespectful. That night, actually, my mom told me that I couldn't stay with her because I was asking if I could stay there with her. And she told me, you can't. The house is full. Your uncle's here. Your aunts are here. So I went to go stay at a family's member's house. But before I went to go stay at a family's member's house, I was already living after the hospital situation. I was living with a friend of mine. And it was two girls that lived there. And one of them worshipped the Santa Muerte, which a lot of people know as a reaper. I remember I was curious about it. You know, I was like, well, why do you worship that? You know, why, why you're into that? And I remember it was on top of a chimney. She had a water next to it, like glass water next to it, an apple. So she was giving offerings to this reaper. You know, she had money. She had things that she'll give it to it as a return or, or a promise that she made with this reaper. And one day I go, well, what do I got to do to, to, to receive something from it? So I was trying to look for a blessing. I was trying to look for something more powerful for me to overcome whatever I was facing at the moment. And I was looking for help, but I didn't know how to go about it still, which I ignored the things of God as a young child. You know, I, I, I was desiring to follow the world instead of following God. Now, Edwin, in this time, when you would think about God, if 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 at all, what did you think about it? Because you had an un, uh, some type of understanding or awareness that there is God. But when you would think about him, what would you think? When I used to think about God, I would just think of him like, God doesn't hear me. And I didn't want nothing to do with God, you know, after with the things I went through as a child, the things that I saw in a broken home, you know, seeing my father beat up my mom. I felt like there was no God. Like, God was just a story to me. You know, growing up in a household where you saw just parents arguing, I saw my father in and out of jail, and I thought that was the life to live. So every time I see these dark moments, you know, I want to cry out to God, but at the same time, I didn't know how to cry out to God. I remember going to church as a child, and I didn't want nothing to do, majority of times, nothing to do with, with church or, or with God. To me, it was embarrassing. To me, it felt like I was going to be made fun of, you know, because my mother would always play Christian music. And, you know, I remember her taking me to even to school as a child, you know, and she'll have her, her worship music on. I would kind of like try to slide down the car so no one of my friends would see me. You know, I was embarrassed, you know, to, to let my friends know that I knew about God or I went to a church or played the drums in a church. So from seeing all that stuff that I was going through, you know, when I was going through my dark moments growing up and trying to reconcile my relationship with my mother, she told me that one night that I wanted to, to talk to her when I said sorry to her for all the things I'd done. And she told me that I needed God. I needed help. I told her I don't need God. I straight out ignored her and, and cursed her out again, and I got mad. I was like, well, son, I know about this Christian recovery home. 
you know, and I was like, I don't need no recovery home, you know, after my overdose. I told her, I don't need no recovery home. You know, I'm okay, but the thoughts that were coming to my mind, I felt like she was trying to take me to, like, a mental institute. I was going to be wrapped around, which the enemy was lying to me, you know. The, the enemy was making me feel like that's not the place to go. So later on, you know, when my mother didn't let me go stay there with her, I moved in with those friends of mine, two, two friends of mine that, that one of them worshipped the Santa Muerte, known as the Reaper. So when I was curious to know what was this image or what this spiritual thing they were into, I asked her, well, what do you do? Well, you got to give it an offering and it'll give you a blessing. You know, you just got to do it, whatever it asks you to do. So I remember my offering was a cigarette. And I don't remember telling exactly the Reaper what I wanted, but I remember something different was going on in my life, something supernatural. I don't have the words to explain it, but I remember seeing visions of myself even sitting down and like this as I'm talking right now, looking at my hands, looking at my feet, seeing visions of my feet, my hands turning into this reaper, this beast with claws. And I, and I remember getting panic attacks from it. And I'll get up and they'll have to rush me to the hospital, my friends too at that time, which they thought I was dying or something, but not, it was just a panic attack, which the enemy put fear in my mind. So I didn't know how to go about it. So as I'm trying to look for help, going to the hospital, none of this was working for me. And I remember one night falling asleep at that house I was staying in, where the reaper was being worshipped. I remember as a child, my mom would put worship music. And that night, for some reason, I couldn't fall asleep. And I remember that night, I turned on the radio, and I went to a Spanish radio station and put some Spanish Christian music. And I was able to rest. And as I'm resting, you know, right there, that girl that worshipped the reaper came into my room and goes, can you turn off that music? It's bothering me. And I remember turning the music real low. And it, it, something deep inside me told me, well, this is not of God. You know, there's something going on. I don't understand. I, I just didn't understand what's going on in my life at the moment. I remember the next day from that experience, I woke up and I went to go try to look for help again with my mother. And my mother told me, well, son, you know, you need to look for God. She tells me again. I'm like, no, I don't need God. So then I left my mother's house. I went to one of my aunt's house and the same thing goes again. My aunt tells me about God. When she tells me about God, I had another panic attack. Even my aunt freaked out. She didn't know what was going on with me. She even gave me a Coca-Cola. It had caffeine, obviously. It just made the panic attack even harsh. And I remember just crying out to God right there, just saying, God, you know, God, I need help. But I just felt like God wasn't listening to me. I felt like there was no answer to this, what I was facing or going through. So I asked my aunt, and can I stay here at your house? Because I didn't want to go back to the house. The visions that I was having, you know, I was just scared. I don't know what was happening to me. Something supernatural was happening to me. You know, I felt like there was a spirit on top of me. I felt like I was seeing these visions of me just turning into a, a creature, a beast, something not of God at all. And I remember that night staying at my aunt's house. And when one of my cousins in the living room were watching a scary movie, which everybody knows, the exorcism. As I'm watching this movie, I remember when the girl wakes up at 3 in the morning, possessed. Ignoring the movie, I fell asleep. The same situation that the girl went through in that movie, I woke up at 3 in the morning as well. And I woke up with a panic attack. I go to the restroom, try to wash my face, trying to play it off. I did not understand what was going on at the moment, but I did feel this cold feeling, this cold chills that I got in the restroom. I was washing my face. 
As I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I look at myself like yellow. I look pale. Felt like I couldn't breathe. Felt like something was just making me lose my breath. And as I look up to the mirror, I see a black shadow over me. And I remember running out of the restroom, running, screaming, waking up my uncle, my aunt at the house. I go, tia, tio, help me. I need help. And as I'm there crying, my aunt comes up to me, Edwin, are you on drugs again? I was like, no, tia, I'm not on drugs. I haven't done drugs ever since my overdose. And I remember just falling there on my knees and I cried out to God and telling God, help me. God, help me. I screamed out. I remember screaming there, asking God to help me. And I felt this peace. And I went to go lay down again. I was able to fall asleep. And that next day, I called my mom in the morning. I told mom, take me to that Christian recovery home you told me about. And my mom came right away that same day. I waited for her to get off work. I was impatient. But while I was impatient, I was starting to hear voices. I thought I was going crazy. My mom got there. She picked me up with another member from the church. As we're driving back to Los Angeles from the Inland Empire to Los Angeles, to Englewood, California. This was September 17th of 2007, when my mom took me to the Christian Recovery Home, many know as Victory Outreach Ministries. As we're going on the freeway, I remember hearing these voices telling me, jump out the car, jump out. And I remember I didn't even have my seatbelt on, that I grabbed the seatbelt, I tied myself and just hold on to the seatbelt. Because I felt this force that was scaring me and, and making me want to feel like I had to jump out the car. And I thought I was just losing my mind. I wanted to tell my mom and that sister, like, at that moment, like, there's something going on. But I felt like they were going to look at me like I was crazy. The enemy kept telling me in my head, like, ain't nobody going to believe you. So I kept it to myself. So we made it to the Christian recovery home. It was late night, around 9 o'clock at night. Remember, there's two members from the recovery home. They opened the door. They welcomed me in. And they asked me if I ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I was never led to Christ, but I grew up in a church, you know, but I never knew how to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And yeah, I did the, the prayer. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but the fight wasn't over. Whatever I was facing, whatever spiritual attack I was going through. And I remember accepting Christ that day. I felt peace. But at the home, at the recovery home, they had a thing called three days grace, which the third day after the third day, they'll send you to work with the men in the home. And I remember just staying there in my bunk, those three days. I was restless. I couldn't sleep. You know, I was tormented from this spiritual attack, these voices that I was facing. And I remember the second day that I was in the home, I was sitting down on my bunk trying to read the Bible, but I didn't know how to read the Bible. And I remember hearing these voices again. There was a window open to the right of me. And I remember hearing the voice telling me, jump out, kill yourself. I was in the second floor. And so I'm hearing this word keep repeating and repeating, telling me suicide, suicide. And I was hearing it from one ear to the other ear, going back and forth. That it freaked me out that I got so scared that I ran downstairs where all the men of the home were at. And I ran to them and I ran to the director of the home and I told them, hey, I'm hearing these voices. I need help. And they all got up and they all started praying for me, rebuking whatever was around me. And I remember just feeling this peace. And I was able to go back to my bunk. Now the third day comes at the recovery home. I'm still scared to go to sleep. I was scared to close my eyes because I thought I was going to see something. I thought this spiritual attack I was facing was just going to take control of me. And I had this fear. But that same night on the third night, I remember falling asleep. And I woke up again at 3 in the morning. But this time it was not a fear. But I remember telling God that night, God, help me. 
And when I told God to help me, fell asleep again. I was like asleep for 10 minutes, I believe. And I woke up again. And I heard a deep voice tell me, it's me. And that voice, that soft voice that talked to me, I was able to fall back to sleep. And I remember I woke up again, like the third time. The third time I woke up, I woke up shivering. I woke up with sweats. My body was going through a shake. And I just remember just shaking. But then I fell asleep. So the next day when I woke up, I woke up anxious. Wanted to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I wanted to read the Bible. Something was just different. Because I felt God come into my life that night. I felt the presence of God that morning. And I started searching for God. I was in the recovery home for a year. After the recovery home, I left the home. I became a youth leader in San Bernardino, California. And I was leading young men to Christ. I was there in the church for a year. I was serving God for two years straight. But once again, when I was serving God for two years straight, you know, I started finding myself being lazy. I stopped reading my word. I wasn't praying as much no more. And I remember scriptures, you know, when Jesus talked to the disciples, telling them, pray so you don't fall into temptation. But I stopped praying. And little by little, I started walking away from the grace of God. I started walking from the presence of God. I started going back into the world, drinking again. Edwin, at this time, when when you are starting to take these steps back, you're obviously surrounded by leaders, right? And you've been put in a position of leadership. So what was their response? What was the church uh, response as they were seeing you um, go back? You know, surrounded by leaders, the pastor. There was another leader with me in the as a pa- um, youth leader, which none of them reached out to me. I and I didn't understand. I just felt like, well, I backslid, you know, and nobody wants me back in the church. I felt like there was no way back. I felt like I was outcasted from the church. I tried to go back to the church, but I didn't feel accepted no more. I felt like they looked down on me, but I know it was the enemy making me feel that I wasn't wanted no more. The enemy wanted me to stay in my sin, stay in the mud again. I was like a dog that returned back to his vomit. So I was there for many years. And as I find myself walking away from the Lord and drinking again. When I turned 21 years old, I catch my first DUI with six violations for my past that I never took care of because I was in rehab in a Christian recovery home. And, you know, right coming out of rehab, you know, I started working, started working with the church, but I never took care of those violations I had from the past. So everything added up with that DUI. Then they gave me time in jail. Then I met the mother of my kids before I went in jail, though. While I'm in jail, I'm making phone calls, calling my mom. And my mom told me, you see, for walking away from God, look what happens. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I didn't want nothing with God no more. I was too deep into the world again. And as I knew scripture, I ignored it. And I remember reading Hebrews. I remember reading all the scriptures talking about walking away from God. It's like recrucifying Christ again. And I just used to shake my head. I'm like, well, I did what I did. I'm here in sin again. And so I'm sitting in jail calling the mother of my kids. She told me she was pregnant. I got worried. I said, man, I'm about to be a father. And thank the Lord that I I came out right on time to see my child be born. I still didn't go back to Christ, though, when I got out of jail. I just kept drinking, kept partying, kept doing things that were not pleasing to God at all. You know, I walked away from God for 12 years. And those two years that I walked away from God, backsliding, having sex with different women, it was worse than the first time. And that's when I started realizing what the Word of God says is real. When that spirit leaves that body, 
and goes roaming around trying to look rest in another body or another house, and that spirit comes back and finds it empty, it's going to be worse than the first time. I started carrying guns. Then later on in those years that I'm walking away from the Lord, I catch my first domestic violence. I got in a big argument with the mother of my kids. Now we have two children together at the time. And as I'm walking away from God, I remember there was nights that I'll come home drunk. And I remember knowing that I knew the way. And there was moments I'll start crying. There was a moment that I'll start crying and telling God, God, I know I'm far away. God, I know that I walked away from you. But then I still wouldn't repent, though. But I'll talk to God, but I wouldn't repent. I just felt like there was no way back. I felt like I was so deep into my sin again. I felt like I was stuck there in this mud. So as years passed by, before my second child was born, I always wanted to feel validated, accepted by other people. I felt like I was casted out from a church, right? I felt like I wasn't validated from there no more. Then as the years passed by, before my second child was born, I joined the motorcycle club, a one percenter club, that I go so deep into it that to me, I knew it as a brotherhood. As I was living that life, traveling from different state to state, riding motorcycles, May 5th, I got arrested in 2014. I had four felony charges, assault, terrorist threats, brandishing a knife, gang enhancement. I fought that court case for four years. I got slapped on the wrist with an assault, did community service. And I was like, oh, well, whatever. I don't mind going to jail again. That was my mindset. It was just hard for me to find God again in those moments because I was going out in and out of jail already. Then later on, my third child was born. Before the pandemic, COVID hit in 2020, March 7th, 2020, I ended up in jail again with eight felony charges, gun charges, assault, gang enhancement again, and other two charges where the guy ended up in the hospital. And I remember being in jail, sitting in my bunk, and I just remember shaking my head. My God, I'm here because I'm not walking with you. I'm doing it my way. But my way is just taking me to jail. If it's not going to be jail, it's going to be death. Just like the word of God says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I remember sitting down on my bunk, talking to God again, here I go, but not repenting, but just telling God, God, if you get me out of this one, I will serve you again. So that same day, I get bailed out. My, my bell was real high. I was able to bail out. And I remember getting home, hugging my, my youngest and my, my, my older children and hugging the mother of my kids. I couldn't even say sorry to them. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed for the things that I put them through, from not being there for them, for pleasing other things other than pleasing God or pleasing my children. I was ignoring what God has given me. I was ignoring the blessings God gave me. I was leading them to destruction too. Just the way I was living my life, they were going to be led the same way. But in the end of 2020, as COVID is passing by, I'm waiting for my court trial. And I kept checking in with my bell bond agent. Like, hey, man, you know, I need to go to Mexico. You know, so he checked up, on, he checked for me on the internet, you know, or the DA's office to see if I had a court date. And I remember while the bell bond agent had me on hold, I started worrying. I was like, man, I hope I don't have a court date. And he gets back to me. He goes, Edwin, Garcia, um, I don't see no charges. And he looked up the DA's message, the DA's office message that they sent to them. They go, Garcia, your, your charge has been exonerated. And I remember talking to a member from the motorcycle club I was from. I go, bro, can you believe, you know, my charge has been exonerated. And I remember the member telling me, bro, because you're blessed. And I just stopped. 
I was just thinking for a moment, like, man, God, what are you trying to do in my life? There's something here that you're trying to show me. But I didn't listen. I kept drinking. I kept doing things that were not pleasing to God. So by the end of 2020 in December, I found myself in a situation where all this guilt started coming to my mind, all, all these things that I was doing that were not pleasing to God. I remember I had this situation with the, the ex-business partner at the time, which were business partners again by the grace of God. But me and him had an argument, which I knew he was looking for me at one point in his life, trying to kill me. You know, it was a bad business gone wrong between us. And I remember I was looking for him. And I was looking for him in the end of December. And I wanted to hurt him so bad. And I couldn't find him. I couldn't get a hold of him. Something was just not letting me go to hold of him. And I remember this one morning waking up, I opened my phone and there was this preacher sharing a message that I opened my phone and this preacher goes, don't go there. Don't go fighting this guy. Don't go hurting this person that you want to hurt. Get down on your knees and pray to God. And I'm like, God, this is a sign from you, for me to pray, for me to look for you. But I still didn't listen to that message. But I know there was that tug in my heart. And later on, when all this guilt, all these feelings were coming to my mind, I started feeling depressed. I started feeling ashamed for all the things I've done, from walking away from God. I started crying out to God, but I still didn't repent. I didn't know how to repent at the moment. It felt like I couldn't let go. There was a, a fight between me, my flesh, that didn't want me to let go, that wanted me to keep living this life. And at the end of 2020, I went a whole week without eating. I fell in depression. I started hearing voices that I used to hear back then to kill myself again. And I remember driving my truck at night, coming out of work, screaming in my truck and stepping on the gas. And I wanted to crash into a light post. And every time I tried to attempt it, I just start taking a deep breath and I couldn't do it no more. I had to let go of the gas and I'll just start crying. And I'll get home, start crying and weeping on the floor, crying out to God. God help me. God change me. And I just remember just talking to God that, those whole, that whole week that I didn't eat. Crying out to God for God to deliver me. For God to help me change my mind again. And as I'm reconciling with God at the end of 2020, I asked the Lord to return to my heart. And as I'm asking God to return into my life, to come back into my life, Scripture starts coming back to my mind. And I remember reading Revelations chapter 2, verse 4, saying, I have something against you. You have forsaken your first love. And as I'm hearing the Spirit of God talk to me in that moment, telling me that I've forsaken my first love, I just started crying. And I'm telling God, God, here I am. Use me. You brought me out of jail. You brought me out of this situation for me to serve you again, God. I'm sorry for walking away from you. I keep my life back to you, my God. As I'm reconciling with God, I started feeling the presence of God again. And I'm reading the scriptures again where it says, you know, look how far you have fallen. Return to the first things you used to do. Where, where, where I was a youth leader before, you know, and I used to preach in the streets. I used to go and evangelize. And I remember all this vision started coming back to my mind. Things that I had to go back and do. And scriptures returning back to, to my mind. The word of God. Because the word of God says on John 14, 26 says, when the advocate comes, it will always remind you of things that he said. So when I repented, scripture just started coming back to my mind. Things that I've read, the spirit of God just took control of my mind again. But I still had to fight and let go of something in my life. Something that I fell in love with, a brotherhood that I joined, a motorcycle club. I didn't know how to go about it. And I started feeling again like, man, 
people's going to make fun of me. But I remember reading scriptures telling me, you can't serve two masters. You can't have one foot here and a foot over there. Either you're going to serve me or not. So as the Spirit of God is talking to me, I'm there weeping, crying out to God. January 2021 comes. I reached out to these members, talked to some members, and I told them, that's it. I'm serving God. And the first response I get, Edwin, we respect the things of God. I gave them everything that I once had, and I let go. Because the Word of God says, you know, the cost to follow Christ is to let go of everything, give up everything for him and follow him, to deny yourself. So I had to deny myself once again and let Christ live in my life now. Not for me to live no more, but to Christ to live in me now. And as I'm there this January 2021, I'm being remorseful. I'm feeling that I need to invest a lot of time in the kingdom of God from all this time that I wasted. So I started just eating the word of God, eating the word of God. Like it says in Ezekiel, chapter 3 says, eat, eat the word. So I was just eating it, eating it. I was getting full of the word of God. But I kept asking God, like, God, well, show me what is it that you want me to do. Give me the direction that you want me to go from now. So as, as I left the motorcycle club behind and took that step of faith forward to follow Christ again, no matter what I did in my past, I remember the scripture saying, you know, whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed and the new is here. So as I reconciled with God from walking away from the Lord, like being a prodigal son and returning back to the father's house, I felt welcomed by God, not by no man, but by God. You know, because I was always trying to look to feel, feel validated by a man or a pastor or somebody. But this time I felt God accepting me and telling me, come as you are. No matter how far I've fallen, how short I fell from the glory of God, God still received me with arms open like the prodigal son. And I felt that comfort. I felt that reconciliation with God. And when I'm asking God for direction, my mom invited me to Mexico to these recovery homes that go and preach. There was this pastor there. And I remember seeing them preach as I get to Mexico. As so I'm walking through the doors, I start crying. I just felt this presence of God just sucking me into that, you know, and, and bringing me there. And I was like, this is of you, God. This is where you have called me. As I'm crying, I'm seeing my mom pray for a woman. I'm seeing these brothers of Christ laying hands on the men. And as my mom walks back to me, I remember hugging my mom, crying on her shoulder, telling mom, this is what God has called me to do. I felt God tugging on my heart that moment, telling me, Edwin, this is where I brought you. Then later on, I remember sitting down with the pastor after service. And this pastor, you know, talking to me boldly sat me down next to him. He goes, Edwin, God has called you. When he said that, I just felt confirmation from God. And this man telling me, you have that attitude that God needs, that boldness to speak up about Christ. You have that mentality, which I remember the scripture he said, and I remember from years ago where Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. God is looking for men and women that are willing to die for Christ. Because we know if we die for Christ, we're gaining. And I remember him talking to me, pointing at me. God has called you. And I remember crying out to God and telling God, here I am. Use me. Send me. I will go like prophet Isaiah. Then weeks later, I'm getting invited to the recovery homes to come and preach. But before I started preaching in the recovery homes, something deep inside me told me, go get your father. My blood father. My father was sleeping in the streets of Tijuana, Mexico. Then as the weeks are passing by, I put this to pray, 
And as I felt strengthened up again by the Lord to go and go get my father, I told my father about this recovery homes that we go and preach at. And, but I still haven't preached it. But the pastors were preaching there. I was there helping out. And as I go looking for my dad in Tijuana, I finally found him. And I took him to go eat. And I'm just speaking to my dad directly, eye to eye. Dad, God has chosen you. You know about God. Repent. Reconcile with God. And I could just see my father cry and cry as he's weeping right in front of me. He goes, okay, dad, let it out. Then later on, my dad made the decision to go with me to the recovery home. So I took him to the recovery homes where I'll go with these pastors to go preach. As we're driving out that way, it was a two-hour drive. My dad was sleeping on the passenger seat. I'm even checking on my dad's pulse to make sure he's alive because he's been up nights, restless, sleepless. He was consuming a lot of meth. As we get to the recovery home, I remember my dad waking up finally, my father telling me, why'd you bring me here to this place? And it was not even in the city of Mexicali. It was like in the outskirts of Mexicali, Mexico. And this recovery home looked like a jail, looked like a prison. There was even towers, you know, where they have the guards on the corners, you know, making sure nobody escapes from the recovery home. And my dad just started cursing me out at that moment. And I knew it wasn't my father. It was something else. It was not my father. That voice I was speaking through my father, it was the enemy. So I just put it a prayer. I put it a prayer in that moment. I said, God, take control of my dad. My dad started walking away from the recovery home. I remember the director from the home came out and told me, hey, Edwin, you want us to go get your father? And I was like, it's up to you guys. But let me just tell you something. I know my father. My father's not an easy guy. So they went. They went in a van. They went to get my dad. It was like a quarter mile away. My dad walked away from. And they all got off the van. And I just remember seeing my father swinging at these men from far away. But next thing you know, they just clinched them, took them in in the, in the van, and they brought them into the home. And I remember the director of the home goes, you know what, Edwin, it'd be better for you not to come like in two weeks. Let your dad just go through what he has to go through and come back later. And the pastor told me at the same time, too. He's like, yeah, we'll come back later. But when we come back later, get ready because you're going to preach and your dad's going to see you preaching. As those weeks passed by, it was day of service. The day I had to preach in Mexicali, the calling where God brought me to, to go preach out there in Mexico. And I'm there preaching. I remember sharing the word of God. And I start seeing my dad broken right there. God tugging at his heart. Him himself reconciling with God as well. God had to use me as a vessel to go reach out my father and bring him out of that lifestyle he was living as well. And later on, you know, as time goes by, my dad's there reading the word too. I'm there faithfully going to Mexicali, preaching the gospel, and God just working on my life. Because what the Word of God says on Philippians 1, 6 says, He who started a good work in you will finish it to the end. No matter what, how far or short of the glory of God we have fallen, God still has a purpose in our lives to reconcile us, to bring us back to Christ. God is always going to come and tug at our hearts because that's what God was doing in my life, tugging at my heart. No matter how far I walked away from the presence of God, God was still there was still there for me, right on time, to bring me out of the gutter, to bring me out of the mud, to bring me out of jail, for me to be able to serve God, for me to be able to share the gospel to all his creation. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through his son. And the son is the one that lives in us. Jesus Christ. And the Son is the one who should we testify about. 
because this is what Christ has done in my life. He has came to restore my life, to give me a new direction. He's the one that made the way when nobody thought there was a way for me no more. When I didn't think there was a way, God makes a way all the time. He has the power. He has the authority, the control of every human's mind and thought and heart because God has the control. Amen. Edwin, for, for people who are watching right now that may be in that same state that you were uh, when you begin to go back into the world, after encountering his presence, after surrendering your life to him, well, what can you say to that person that's watching your testimony right now that's actively in that place? If you're a person that has walked away from God, from serving God, serving in a church, the words that I have in my heart to share with you is to return to the Lord before it's too late. Just like the word of God says, Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, look how far you've fallen. Repent. Because he's right around the corner. He could take your lampstand away. And all I could remember is the ten virgins that had their lamps ready and the other five didn't. Let's not take this for granted. Because the day of tomorrow is not promised. But by the grace of God, God's giving you another opportunity today to repent and to follow him once again. God doesn't want you to be in the world. God chosen you out of the world. God chosen the foolish things out of the world to shame the wise he brought you out of the world to make you into a child of God. Edwin, for the, the, the people who are involved with these uh, motorcycle gangs, what can you say to that person who's watching your testimony right now? Maybe somebody shared it to them. Maybe they just came across it and are actively in that place. What I got to say about motorcycle clubs, somebody that's in a club right now, what I got to say to them is God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And if you're hearing this, it's not a coincidence because God is calling you out of that lifestyle too for you to serve God, for you to follow Jesus Christ, for you to follow the creator that created you and to obey him. Because without Christ, we're nothing. With Christ, you have victory. You could overcome just like I overcame. God doesn't want you to live in fear. You can feel validated through Christ, not through the person next to you, but through Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Edwin, what is, uh, very briefly, you mentioned you have three kids. What is your relationship? Are you with the same, uh, with the mother of your children? I have three children. Me and my wife, we got married when I reconciled with God. God restored my relationship with her. You know, which she didn't know nothing about God either. And while I reconciled with God and we got married in April of 2021, she accepted Christ too. God restored our relationship. There was a lot of hurt in the past. She even forgave me. God changed her heart too. And our, our, our bond, our love, our marriage is strong. You know, even the bond with my kids, it's something that I don't even want to let go. You know, it's the love of God that I was able to bring the love of God into my marriage now, which me and her didn't have the love of God. When you don't have the love of God in a marriage, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have problems. You're going to have desires to look at another woman or another man. Because when you love God, you're going to want to stay faithful to that one person because you're faithful to God. You're not going to want to disobey God because he who finds a wife finds favor from God. Amen. Edwin, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He is my light. Just like the Word of God says, 
He is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will not be in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's who Jesus is. He's the light that came into the world. But many didn't want to accept the light. But we, they're in Christ. We have the light of the world. And we can share the light of the world to others that need the light to come out of darkness. That's who my Jesus is. Amen. Edwin, any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? If you're watching my testimony, I pray and hope this uplifts you. This helps you out to find your way back to Christ. For you to reconcile with God. For you to be directed to Christ again. No matter what, who doesn't ever listen to you or you feel that you're not accepted by another church. But let me tell you something. When you repent and you ask for forgiveness, God is there to receive you in his arms. Just like Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, the arm of the Lord is never too short or his ear never too dure to hear. God is there to listen to you. God is there to stretch his arm out to you. Have faith and believe with all your heart. Lastly, Edwin, for anybody who's watching, if you could just just pray for, for the viewers who are on the other screen. Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, my God, I pray, Lord, for whoever is watching this testimony, my God, that you touch their hearts, my God, that you touch their minds, my God, that you could renew their hearts, my God, that they could draw near to you, my God, so you could draw near to them, my God. You have the power to heal them, my God. You have the authority, Lord, to rebuke and destroy and demolish any stronghold they're facing, my God, or any attack from the devil, my God. You have the power and the control, my God. And I uplift every person that's watching this, Lord, that you give them the victory, my God, through you, Jesus Christ, because in you, my God, there is victory. And I thank you, my Lord Jesus Christ, for every single person watching this testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, what an awesome testimony, great testimony. I tell you, God has the power to change our lives, to do anything that we need for him to do in our lives. We don't have to hold on to nothing. We can let go and let God have his way. And I tell you that, put God first this morning. I heard that and I got to listen to it over and over again. That really blessed me. Yeah, that prayer of faith that he prayed, that really blessed me. Yeah, and I'm grateful unto Almighty God for it. There's none like him, none like him. And uh, I have a few more I want to play. Well, one more I want to play today for you. And then tomorrow I got to find the lady again, but she's got an awesome testimony. And uh, I want to play that testimony for you as well. Because we are overcome by our testimonies in the blood of the Lamb. And that devil is telling you, did you know that? But we're not worried about him. What we're concerned about is walking upright before God daily and obeying the word of God and being where God would have us to be. Yeah. And it's already all right today in Jesus' name. Uh, I want to share right quick and then I'm going on to the next one. Uh, we had a wonderful time on Saturday laughing. Nikki came and, oh, man, she just laughed at kicking her feet up in the air. Her and Dot just having a good time. <laughs> and uh, Sister Gary in the background laughing and talking. Irene was there. 
and I, I we had jokes. Oh, because the sound went out. I, I don't know why my sound goes out. Something is weird. But anyway, we had a wonderful time. I sold a few items. And what I'm trying to do, um, my daughter-in-law, she put me in touch with a company that would give me pallets of items, food, clothes, medicines, over-the-counter stuff, all kind of stuff is in here. I was able to get a box from this lady. She bought seven pallets. And she told me, she said, I'm going to give you a box of just a few of the things I have. She didn't give me everything she had because I would have been bringing back 30 boxes. So you buy a pallet, and the pallet is 125 So I'm trying to do what I can. That's why the auction, the this, the that, to raise the money uh, to pay 125 Then you got to pay for a U-Haul truck because I don't have a truck that big, a box truck to go and pick up the pallets. And then you got to have a place to store the pallets. And I know I'll be able to get volunteers to help me sort the pallets, you know, to give the stuff away. Because if you give the volunteers, you know, so much, then they'll be willing to help you and because we don't have money to pay them. So that's what I'm working on. I was going to work on the money to give away to families to pay electric and da-da-da-da-da. But I decided this would be much better because they can stop, they can store, they can prepare, you know, and have stuff that they need, shampoo, deodorant, lotion, toothpaste, toothbrushes. They, the, the list, I promise you, is just too long. It's endless, endless, endless. And so that's the project that I'm working on now because I want to bless some people, as many as possible. And I don't have to really ask you, where's your money? What did you do? I don't have to get in your business like that. Yeah. The qualification is needy. That's the qualification. And our prayer is to send needy people, not greedy, but needy people. Yeah. And I know God will hear and he will answer our prayer. Listen, we're going on to, to the next one. Yes, it was, Brother Louis. An awesome testimony. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we go into this next one. This says, play this in your home. So we're going to take a listen. I believe every single word in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, which says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I believe that. I receive that word. If God has promised an outpouring of his spirit, then I am determined not to miss it. I am determined to be among those who receive an almighty anointing from the Lord in the last days. My household will be one where the spirit of God resides. My sons and daughters will indeed prophesy. Dreams and visions from the Lord will be the norm because of the Spirit of God. My prayer is that in these last days, I simply want God to pour out His Spirit over my life. I don't want to be involved in anything else that has nothing to do with Jesus. 
All I want is an infilling of His Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to desire this too for your lives. Now let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that I have been saved by you. I am so grateful of your mercy. So great is your mercy that you would save a wretched man filled with sin like me. I pray, Lord, that in these last days as you pour out your spirit, as you fill those who love you with a fresh anointing, may I be among those who receive from you. I pray that my life would be touched, renewed, and transformed by the Holy Spirit. Help me, Father, not to be distracted by the things of this world, but rather I pray that I will always be focused not to miss this mighty outpouring of your Spirit. King Jesus, let your Holy Spirit flow over my soul. May he take control in my life and lead me to walk in your way and in your will. Father, I desire to have an experience with the Holy Spirit like the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, which says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Lord, may the Holy Spirit move into my life like a mighty rushing wind. May the Holy Ghost fill my entire home. I pray that I too would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your word in Mark 16, verse 17 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Let these signs be a reality in my life, King Jesus. Let me be able to cast out demons in your name and to speak in new tongues. I praise you, Lord Jesus. You are great and awesome. As I live my life, Father, may it be pleasing to you. May it be a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. I pray that I may live a life that is dependent on the Holy Spirit. May I live in obedience to his counsel. I pray that my heart would be one that is reliant on the guidance of the Holy Ghost. May he equip me to fight the good fight of faith. May the Holy Spirit give me the strength to resist the devil and to resist temptation. I pray that he would teach me how to be a believer who is effective in the kingdom of God. Lord, my heart's desire is to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, for my life to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit and to live in the Spirit. So I make the decision today to submit, to yield, to invite, and to welcome the Holy Spirit into my heart. I praise you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, a phenomenal gift that you gave us as believers. He is the seal 
of my salvation. May he help me to establish a closer relationship with the Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would continuously be tugging at my heart and soul, teaching me how to be obedient to the Lord, teaching me how to stand in faith and to fully trust in God. I praise your holy name, King Jesus. Be glorified. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Don't ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't underestimate the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are convicted of sin. And as believers, we ought to desire to be filled, sealed, and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals God's will for our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us the ways of God, His principles, and His precepts. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals the deep revelations of God to us. It's the Holy Spirit that guides believers into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. So make no mistake, we need the Holy Spirit. We must have Him to lead us. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, In you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You see, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. He has sealed us as belonging to God. We are marked by the Holy Ghost. So to the one who asks, how will I walk in wisdom and not fall back into my old sinful ways? The Holy Spirit will help you do this. The Holy Spirit will be the one to strengthen you. Someone may be asking, how can I remove this desire of sin within me? How do I break this cycle? Well, it's the Holy Spirit that will help you walk in purity. It's the Holy Spirit that will give you the power to overcome those tempting desires of the flesh. Someone might be asking, how do I live with boldness? How do I live as a fearless Christian in these evil days? Well, saints, the Holy Spirit will give you power and authority. He will be your helper. It's the Holy Spirit who will help you to understand and discover God's will for your life. But the key for us is willingness. Are you willing for your heart to be invaded by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to be filled by the Holy Spirit? To be led by Him? Counseled by Him? Will you allow Him to work in you and through you I encourage you to open up your heart open yourself up to the Holy Spirit now let us pray Lord Jesus fill me with your spirit fill us with your precious Holy Spirit 
in your word. Over in Acts 2, verse 17, the Bible says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Lord God Almighty, we say, pour out your Spirit on our lives. Father, we invite, we receive, we welcome the Holy Ghost. May he fill our hearts, our minds, and our lives. Move in, Holy Spirit. Bring a fresh wind of change in our lives. Bring a mighty and powerful change in our spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you to help us walk in the Spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord Jesus, may we be led by the Spirit. May we live in the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that our entire lives as believers is determined, influenced, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that we may have a strong and lasting encounter with the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we're believing for an encounter. We're believing for an experience with the Holy Spirit in our homes. May he take over just as he did on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts 2 verses 2 through 4, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Move in, Holy Spirit. Move in like a mighty rushing wind. Sweep away every evil and unclean spirit. Sweep away every spirit of infirmity, of sickness, and of disease. Holy Spirit, take over in our homes and bring the presence of God. Bring wisdom and peace. Bring the fear of the Lord into our lives. I pray that we will have an encounter that we will never forget. An encounter that will be life-changing. One that we will remember as a turning point in our lives. Holy Spirit, give us the resilience to remain strong in the Lord. Give us a tenacious spirit that perseveres and fights to pray even when we endure difficulties. Help us to remain strong and never fall into despair. Should the devil threaten to overwhelm us, help us to remain strong, rooted and grounded in the Lord. Help us, Father, to claim the relief that you offer. Lord, show us how to let go of everything and everyone that hinders us or pulls us back. This includes the friends and people that surround us. Holy Spirit, move into our hearts like a mighty rushing wind. Take away everything toxic. Take away everything ungodly. Take away everything that leads to spiritual demise. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would set our hearts on things above. Set our hearts on Jesus Christ. 
set our hearts on the kingdom of God. I pray that we will experience a, a suddenly movement in our lives. May there be a sudden transformation in our hearts. I pray for a sudden revival in our spirit. Holy Spirit, light a fire. Set our hearts ablaze. Hear us, Lord, because we need a closer walk with you. Father, we're longing for a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And right now, I thank you. I thank you for hearing this prayer. It's in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ that I pray and I believe it's done. Amen. Here's what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 from verse 15 to 18, the Word of God says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And then verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The role of the Spirit in us is to remind us of the words of Christ. He is actively doing the work of Christ and was sent by Christ to dwell in believers. Indeed, God the Holy Spirit is a wonderful helper. He helps us in our weakness. The Bible says that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit that we should desire and chase are for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So join me in prayer. Let us pray for the Holy Spirit to fill our lives for his presence to be real and made known to us in our daily walk with God and in our homes. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I humbly bow before you today, the Prince of Peace and the Risen King. Thank you for gifting me with the Holy Spirit, my helper and my comforter. I am grateful for all the blessings that I have received and your constant presence that seeks to keep me in the will of God. I am rejoicing at the opportunity to approach you in prayer as I invite your holy presence. I hold on to your promise, Lord, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. As I endure my trials and tests, sometimes I feel so alone. I am unable to see beyond my present circumstances. I ask that you will remove the scales from my eyes during these times so that I can see your hand at work. And help me to, to always feel your presence near and around me. May I be so in tune with your works that I will sense your holy presence leading and guiding me, especially through my challenges. Lord, I have come to realize that I need a closer walk with you.
I need a closer, deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. I desire the Holy Spirit so that he may teach me your ways and principles, Lord Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit will give me a revelation on who you are, Lord, and what your will is for me. I pray that I may have a strong and lasting encounter with the Holy Ghost, an encounter that I will remember and one that will give me the resilience to remain strong in the Lord, even as I endure difficulties or if despair threatens to overwhelm me. Help me to claim the relief that you offer, King Jesus. Please show me how to let go of my losses, knowing that some things and some friends and people even will be removed from my life. And in the bigger picture of your plan, these things will happen for my benefit. I ask that you remove my longing for toxic and ungodly things that will only lead to my demise. Instead, Holy Spirit, I pray that you set my heart on things above concerning my Savior. May you give me comfort and release me from my sorrows. Release me from my worries and replace my fear and doubts with your amazing love. A love that knows no borders. A love that is so relentless that even in my weakest state, in my sinful state, you still offer me a way to eternal life. I am grateful that your word in John 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You are a mighty God that has overcome this world and given me good reason to cheer, so that even as I face my own challenges, in you I will have peace. I will have victory. I long for a deeper encounter with you. I want to live a victorious life in the Lord. Empower me to be a believer who is totally dependent on Jesus Christ. Remove my self-sufficiency and help me to walk by faith, not by sight. Grant me the peace that Jesus has promised me. Peace beyond understanding and keep this assurance before me so that I will live an overcomer's life through your strength. Teach me the ways of God, Holy Spirit. Open my mind and my understanding about how I should live as a child of God. When the way ahead of me looks dim and dark, help me not to be afraid and to trust completely in you. May you reveal to me God's will for my life and draw me into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, my Savior, who made the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary's cross for my sins. Your word says that when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Thank you that the Holy Spirit has come, not only as a comforter, but one who will lead me into all truth. I pray that he convicts me of my faults, convict me 
to repent, Holy Spirit, and bring me to true repentance as I seek to walk in the way of truth. Please grant me the wisdom to discern between truth and error and give me the strength always to choose to do what is right and pleasing to the Lord. Lord, I take comfort in your word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, which says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I thank you for giving me freedom and liberty, King Jesus. I believe that as I draw near to you and you draw closer to me, I will be free from the hold of sin in my life. Holy Spirit, I am weak, but you are strong. So empower me as I pray. May I have a mind fixed on the kingdom of God. I invite you to be my counselor and my friend. Set me free from my wayward tendencies and desires. Free my mind from worries and cares, for I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that each and every day, May you anoint me and surround me with the presence of God. As I embrace your presence and power, I ask that my life will reflect my journey with you. I want to be a living testimony of your work, Holy Spirit. Help me to use the gifts that you have blessed me with to minister to others. There is so much hurt and need in this world, so equip me for service in the kingdom of God, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence and your power. I now claim an abundant and victorious life through you. I submit to you my will, my hurts, challenges, desires, and aspirations to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you bless me, Lord, and remain with me always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to be distressed, then look within. If you want to be defeated, then look back at your past. If you want to be distracted, then look around you. If you want to be dismayed, then look ahead because no one knows what the future holds for them. And finally, if you want to be delivered, if you need to be delivered, then look up. Look up to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. And the thing is, if your eyes are focused anywhere else other than on Jesus Christ, then it's all negative. Everything will be bleak. Because you can look within yourself for strength. You can look within yourself for motivation or happiness. But in reality, on your own strength, you won't last very long. Sooner or later, life will bring something before you that requires a higher power than you. If you want to feel defeated, then of course, just look at your past. The devil will tell you that no one who comes from a background like yours can ever amount to anything. He'll tell you that God won't ever use someone with a history like yours. But this is why you should have your eyes fixed on Jesus. He doesn't care what your past is. In fact, he will use your past. He will turn your life around and demonstrate that he can take you from the lowest of the low and use you for his glory. 
Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because if you stray and wander, if you begin to look at what's around you instead of looking at Jesus Christ, then you will get distracted. You will become preoccupied with things, with situations, and with events that don't even matter. Things that are of this world instead of those things that are eternal. Furthermore, I want you to know that if you want to be dismayed, if you want to be left feeling hopeless, then just try to look ahead. Try looking to the future on your own because the thing about the future is that it's unknown. It's unknown to all of us. We don't know what awaits our tomorrow. So if you focus on this, you will be dismayed. And here's my point. When you focus on anything else other than Jesus Christ, you'll be left in a state of worry and dismay because everything is uncertain. But dear friend, when it comes to your past, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. When it comes to your weakness, keep your eyes on Jesus. And when it comes to your future, keep your eyes, keep them fixed on Jesus in every single aspect of your life. Don't dare focus on what's around you. Don't focus on what's within you or even what's ahead of you. Simply focus on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Now let us pray. King Jesus, I bow down to you and I say that you are great and mighty and you are worthy to be praised. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help me to keep my eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Help me to be firm and set the Lord before me. Let me be not swayed or distracted by this world. But let me remain focused on the Lord always. Help me, Holy Ghost, so that I may be disciplined not to let my eyes wander or gaze at anything sinful. Father, your word says in Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Father, I will always keep you in front of me, ahead of my every step, in front of my every move. I will always let you, King Jesus, go before me because so long as you are by my side, then I cannot be shaken. So take the lead, Master. Lord, have your way. I pray for the strength to continue fighting my carnal desire to take matters into my own hands. Instead, Father, I submit to you, and I will always keep my eyes on Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to my soul. Be that still, small voice that reminds me constantly to keep my eyes on Jesus. Remind me to keep my eyes on things above and not on things of the earth. Convict me, Holy Spirit, to continually keep my eyes on the Lord always. Father, give me an attitude whereby if all is well with me, my eyes are on Jesus. If I am struggling and I can't seem to find a way out of the mess I'm in, then my eyes should still be on Jesus. I pray that whether the economy is good or not, my eyes will remain firmly fixed on Jesus Christ. 
whether my friends are there or if they've abandoned me. My eyes are to always be on Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Teach me, Holy Ghost, how to continuously examine myself and evaluate what my focus is and where my eyes are fixed. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness, and I look to you because you took my sins when you hung on a cross, and you redeemed me, Lord. You have saved and delivered me. If it were not for your wonderful sacrifice, then where would I be? Oh God, if you never shed your precious blood, then who could have saved me? There is none like you, King Jesus. And that's why my eyes will remain fixed on you. You extended your loving arms to me and called me to repentance. And because of this, I rejoice and I say all praise and honor be to the Most High. Because I am saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. There is no better time to praise you, Lord, than right now. And so I rejoice today. I sing your praises today because if it wasn't for Jehovah Jireh, who would provide for me? If it wasn't for El Shaddai, God Almighty, who would save me? If it wasn't for the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who would be my protector? I praise you, Lord, for you are holy and worthy of my adoration. Father, I thank you for listening to my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Hallelujah. I just want to thank you. And listen, these are the words of inspiration and encouragement we need to remember and to listen to daily. Hear these prayers and pray these prayers daily because we need God to lead and guide us in the right path, into truth. And the Holy Spirit, Jehovah, and Jesus, they are all one. Believe it or not, they are all one. And you rarely hear the word Jesus, even in church. They're skipping around him. They're calling it something else. They're talking about, but I says the name Jesus because that's who saved me. God so loved me. He sent his son, Jesus, that if I believe on him, I won't perish, but have everlasting life. And listen, it's praying time. We're looking at everything else that's going on in the world, all over the world. But we need to look to prayer, have a real prayer life. And anything we don't like, tell God about. Because we can't fix it. If we could, it would be fixed. I know all the people in the United States of America see what is going on. They feel the pinch, the crunch. They feel themselves going down. Families moving in together to survive. Yeah, they moving in together. So that you pay so much, I pay so much, you pay so much. And it will equal up to what we all need in this house. Grocery, everybody's chipping in to help buy grocery. Because we the people, we don't come together and stand up for what's right. And then if we do, a lot of us, well, not me, but a lot of people are scared and a lot of people don't say anything. They sit back because they think the government will come after them if they speak out. All kind of stuff. But prayer will fix it every time. God hear every word we say. And while we're calling on him, he's already on the way. Because prayer is what fixes it every time. Yeah, they go in the pantries, you right? They are going to food pantries. And this is why I wanted those pallets. Because I want to be able to bless somebody. Somebody may not be able to afford shampoo, deodorant. Well, we got it. Let us make you a bag, honey, and come get your bag. Or I may be able to just bring the bag to you. See, because it, it, when I look around, I hear all this stuff about churches, but I hear what you say, but I'm watching what you're doing. And you you turning it over to somebody else to do your job. You giving it to the Salvation Army. You giving it to the food bank. Now, I'm going to give it to you. From my hand to yours. I'm going to know where everything is going and who is going to. Yeah, that's how I want to roll. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> God is faithful to us. And he's, all, he's going to always make a way. But we, we should want to be the way. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Sister Frazier said, the key to success is to put God first. And that is so true. If you want to be successful in anything, put God first. Let him be the reason why you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And if he's not the reason why, then you and the devil got something going on. And now that he gave the devil some power, the devil don't have all power, but he gave him a little bit. So those that's really serving him and really sold out to him and really worshiping him, oh, he gave them plenty. But after the dust settles, then what? My goodness. Yeah, I want to be on the right side. I want to be for him that loved me. I want to be for him that made the ultimate sacrifice he gave his begotten son for me. He gave it. And his word holds true today. I'm thankful unto him. Listen, the studio is open. If you have something this morning you would like to say, please feel free to come in and press that number one. And uh, I will see your light come on in the studio and I will bring you in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I want to be the giver because God loves a cheerful giver. And he said in his word, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It made me feel good to give. Yeah. My new spiritual son, I have a new one. He's in uh, Texas. And uh, he's the youngest. Of, of all my spiritual sons, because y'all know I have a lot of spiritual children. And uh, I know he loved me, and uh, he always said to me, you are made to mom, you are made. And uh, you need anything, you need anything. No, I don't need nothing. I'm good. I'm good. But he served this country, and he did a whole lot more. And uh, he just need prayer. He just need prayer. And he know the Lord, he know the word, but he needs prayer. That's all I got to say. And we praying for him. I asked the intercessors to touch and agree with me to pray for him. Because I know God want to bring him out. And look here, when God gets through, I, I know this going to be a preacher of all time. I may be dead and gone. But this one going to stand flat foot, flat feet, and tell you what the word said and be through with it. No arguing, no fighting, no, uh-uh, this is it. Take it or leave it, but this is the truth. Because so many hate the truth today. People don't like the truth. They'd rather tell a lie or cover it up or, or take it another way and act like it's this when it's that. Yeah, because they, they're shamed and embarrassed of what people think. But if we could just remember them same ones you're trying to be ashamed and embarrassed by, if you lift the carpet up, you're going to see what's under the rug. you see what has been swept under the rug. Now, if the scriptures say we all have sinned and come short of the glory, that means we all got some dirt. We all done did some dirt. And there may be some that's still doing dirt. Family done went through. We just don't tell our business to everybody. But if we could open our closet door, what fall out? You'll pass out. Yeah. We'd be so shocked and surprised many times 
when we found out a celebrity did this, a celebrity family was going through that. Look at the Jackson. So many people was over. Oh, not the Jackson Five. Oh, yeah, the Jackson Five and many more. <laughs> so no need for me to be talking about I'm embarrassed by people. I got to move on in Jesus, especially, and I believe I'm walking according to his will. I'm walking according to his way. Say what you got to say about me, but please notice I'm going back with him when he comes. Matter of fact, I'm coming back with him to judge the world because I'm trying to get the spots and the wrinkles out so that he can see that I'm the church he's coming back looking for. But it takes prayer. It takes Bible study. It takes putting him first in everything. You can't put your flesh first and my God understand. And people need to stop saying that because believe it or not, that is so true. He more than understands. He knows the very intent of our hearts. So we want to put him first. We want to live a life that's pleasing and acceptable unto him. He's more than worthy. More than. Look how long he's been waking us up. Look what he did for us. He gave us Jesus in the morning. Yeah, we can come here and express. We can come here and pray. We can pray for each other. We hear the word over here. All kind of good things. Only God. There's so many tricks out here in the world through the church and church people and these people saying that they apostles and they bishops. Honey, don't 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 believe the hype. Try the spirit by the spirit and see whether it be of God. You hear what they say, but it's time to watch what they're doing. Because you'll be surprised. You think this is the man or woman of God and it's the men and women of Satan. Yeah, we got to be careful. So when we find the truth, we want to hold on to it with all we got. We don't want to be side tricked and uh-uh. Because that's what our flesh want to hear. We want to be pleased by our flesh. So we run behind these fleshly people. We run behind people that's doing it their way. And let me tell you something now. Watch yourself. Because guess what? They can prophesy. And it's not prophesying, but it's familiar spirits. Not only is it familiar spirits, but it's witchcraft. White magic, black magic, voodoo, it's a number of things. And you thinking these people speaking from God because this is the church. No. The devil done got a coat going. And they don't want you leaving. They don't want you to leave there. And Dr. Evelyn Drayton helped me out a whole bunch. She said she was working in the church. And, you know, she didn't think. No witchcraft or nobody doing nothing like that. But she wanted to leave there. She wanted to, and they wouldn't let her leave. And she found out they were working a work on her. Or evil work of witchcraft and, and they don't tell them what else. To keep her there. Because every time she tried to leave, she just couldn't leave. She tried to leave, she couldn't leave. Yeah. And people doing all kind of stuff. This is why we plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, our families, our house, our cars, everything concerning us. 
We ask God to protect us. I don't play circular music in my car. No way. I don't have circular parties over here. Well, I got the circular music going and we twerking and thurking and uh-uh. We ain't doing none of that in here. God gave it to me. I'm going to keep it holy because he's holy. I'm not going to play any and every old thing in my car. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And you can't get in there with all that custom. I've I, I anointed and set, consecrated my car unto the Lord. So I do godly things with my car. Yeah, I can't go meet no man. I, I can't commit no nothing, nothing with my car. Yeah. Because it belongs to God. And he's holy. Yeah. Wanted to share that this morning. I want to share these prayers. We'll be hearing them off and on because we need it, especially that one that put God first. He started off telling me some good stuff. What is it that you have in front of you first? What What is it you putting your, all your lock, stock, and barrel in? What, what is that? I be trying to raise money, so I told God, Lord, don't let me love it. I don't want to love money. I, I don't want money to be the first thought of my day, the first of what I'm doing. I bought a bunch of stuff from Tamu. Well, I know anything, I gave a lot of it away. Gave it away. And I was thinking the other day, I said, well, I may have to do some of this for Christmas. Because I'm planting a seed for them pallets. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. But the, the auction and the business, it gives me something to do. It gives me another work. I'm working, but I have a, a little bit more to do. Because I'm doing my part to make the world a better place. Not to make it worse, but to make it better. So I thank God this morning. Ideas come and I jump on them. He don't let it last for long. Now he, he I, I won't be selling stuff in, throughout eternity. Please believe that. He gonna bring it to a halt. Yeah. But he allowed me to do some things. And I work so that you can't say, well, she always begging for money. He don't get nothing. He can't say that. If I ask you for something, that's because I'm trying to do something for somebody else, not for my own pocket. I'm taken care of. Please believe me. God has made a way, a big way for me. And I can't take my money and, and do all of this stuff. I pay my tithing offering and I plant seeds. And I do other things. But I'm not filthy rich. So I have to ask for some help sometimes. And I know your plant a seed will bless you. Yes, it will. But we squeeze George Washington so tight on the dollar bill, he be crying. Because we squeezing him so tight. We ain't giving nothing. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'll go to Jesus in the morning because she's going to be there and she's going to pray. I'm going to get blessed over there. But do you ever think about Jesus in the morning might need to be blessed? Blog talk calls. The website costs monthly, along with a bunch of other things. But God makes a way because people won't. They don't. They don't consider that like that. 
But we should be cheerful givers. Faithful, cheerful givers. And I thank God for the few that look out for me. I thank God for those that support me. Yeah. I got some friends around here, and I'm thankful. That Dr. Goodman, that Irene, and that Jerry Crowell. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Louis. I say, uh, Jerry, this and that. Oh, wait a minute, Bob. Let me look that up. I think I can find that for you. I have good insurance. When I go to the doctor, these people tell me, oh, you have good insurance. Compliments that God used, Jerry Crowell. I could take a trip last week because of Irene. I have some other things I won't mention because of Dr. Goodman. And then Dr. and Irene support the prayer club, Jesus in the Morning group on Facebook. They support all of that. If I post something, Dr. going to come right back and say, if I say thank you, Dr. going to come right back and say you're more than welcome. And that's the way it should be with all of us. But we caught up into something. I don't know what we caught up into. But I guess some people can take Jesus in the morning or leave it. They just come because, you know, it's church and I can go over here to church every morning. But it's more than that. And the more supporters, the better it would get for us. Yeah. Quality. Well, you know anything, people flocking over here, but they can't get what you get because you're that faithful few. You came when nobody else was here. Hallelujah. It's the, and I know you by name. I know your phone number. I can look in the studio and see. I don't see no names in the studio. I can look in there just as good and say, good morning, Brother D. Brother D, back at the house of Jesus. <laughs> God bless you, Brother D. Good morning to you, Sister Sion. Look at this. Good morning, Sister Irene. Good morning, Sister Dr. Goodman. Good morning, Brother Anthony. You see that? I can call y'all names off by your phone number. Sister Rita was here earlier. Sister Jerry was here earlier. I know the phone number. That's safe for you. And there's a day coming when you're going to be surprised at all the listeners, at all the live listeners, at all the people in the studio. You're going to really be surprised. But your name and phone number can be area code, brother, can be called because I know you. You've been coming for years. Why not support what you're part of? If it ain't but $10 a week, we take $10, I do. And I buy me one of them ices. Some people call them slushes. But what I buy is called Icee. I-C-E-E. Woo-hoo! And that Coke one, I can't have it. I can't have it. I can't have it often. But when I do get a chance to get one, and McDonald's are selling it, that thing is so good. Now, it may not be good for me, but I promise you it's good to me. So I take uh, uh, 3 $4 and waste it on a, a ice that I'm not supposed to be drinking. <laughs> so some of us waste it on soda, a burger, or, or something. Oh, I like these kind of fries. I'm going over to the Shake and Steak or wherever you go and get this kind of fries. They five dollars, and if they put cheese, we waste money on on eating out. 
fast food. We can take them five dollars and save it up. Once a month, make your donation. Well, not your donation. Plant your seed once a month. I plant my seed once a month to Inspiration of Ministries, and boy, am I happy. As I get money, even if it's a loan, I pay my tithes and offerings. If you gave me money, tithes and offerings was paid off. And Inspiration of Ministries, I love it over there. And for Christmas, they send me a box of seeds candy from California. Anybody know about that? Seeds candy is very expensive. They send me like two pounds or so. And you know, I give it away because I, I can't handle that seeds candy. I eat that whole box and be sick as a dog, if not dead. <laughs> Blood sugar done went through my head. But they bless me back once a year. And I thought that was so beautiful. But when I plant my money over there, thanks to Mike Murdoch, he trained me with this. When I plant my money over there, it comes back. This month, the money tripled. And even people who owed me money paid. I was like, look at this. Look what the seed bring it in. Look at the harvest. But we should be givers. And, and, and people shouldn't have to ask over here at, at Jesus in the morning. If it's $5 a week, we should put $5 a week up and once a month give that $20. If it's a dollar a week, put that dollar a week up and once a month give those $4. And we'll go somewhere. Our name will be out there for doing what's good. Oh, oh we'll have people coming out for, for the fish and the loaves, but it's okay. Because God will weed them out. Because one thing about fish and loaves, lovers, they don't want to hear the word. They just want the fish and loaves. And if no fish and loaves being given, they gone. You ain't got to worry about it. The people I give to, God bless me. Because <laughs> he know I have a giving heart and I give to anybody. But he wasn't going to let me give to those that's trying to get richer and taken from the poor. Take it from those that needed it. No, he wasn't going to do that. So he gave me what they call discernment of spirit. And it's already all right in Jesus' name. Let me tell y'all something. Do you know because I gave, I was able to bless my nephew? Oh, that just touched my heart and blessed me so good that I was able to give to my nephew. And the devil told me, don't support who don't support you. He's a lie. Told the first lie. The father of all lies. If there's a need and God bless me to meet it, I'm meeting the need. I'm giving. No matter who supports. I'm going on 14 years now. Soon will be 14 years I've been doing Jesus in the morning. And God made a budget to pay it, like he made a budget for my truck. <laughs> Woo, what an awesome God. But I wanted to share that because if you give, I can be here. If you support, I can do more. And you're doing more because you're giving, and your giving caused me to be able to do more.
So you're giving. That's what you're doing. I spread the word all over seas everywhere because I give to Inspiration Ministry. They go into places where I never could or I don't even know about. When I travel, that's you traveling, givers. When I go to Kissimmee to do ministry, that, that's you going to Kissimmee to do ministry because you supported me. Yeah. I want it to be so if you come and say, oh, Sister Barbara, I need $5,000. I want to be able to say, well, where to send it at? Because of your giving. Let me tell you something. My daughter blesses me every two weeks. Every two weeks. And then if it's something special that I want, like say the, uh, uh, the equipment for the radio, the microphone and the sound card. I could have called her and told her, hey, I need a microphone and a sound card. It costs $110, whatever it was. She'd have done it. My youngest son, I wanted a, a notebook. Not the laptop, but the notebook. He said, you want, what kind of notebook is that? I said, Samsung. <laughs> said it quick. So they cost a little bit, you know. He said, oh, okay, mama. All right. Okay. Well, I went and I put the Samsung in the layaway at Walmart during the Christmas holidays. Because I guess I just felt I couldn't wait. He came and gave me the money. I went and got the Samsung. He never knew what I did. I would never tell him that. Because he'd been like, Mom, you laid it away? I told you I was going to give you the money. Well, I wanted to make sure I was going to. I was going to get it. You see, I am blessed. And I want you to be blessed. I'm talking about uncommonly, in some things it's unspeakably blessed. You can't tell nobody about these blessings. I want you to be that way. And I promise you it's by your giving, by you plant your seed in the right place. I pay my tithes and offerings. I multiply that back to me food, a clothes. I got brand new things in there. I still got the tags on. I got boxes of stuff I gave away. Bags of stuff. Because I'm a giver. And when you give, it multiplies back to you. I'm trying to help you this morning. But now, if you're a giver and God giving to you and you squandering the money and wasting it away on foolishness, it's nothing I can do about that. Because God bless you back, but you didn't use the money wisely. So we got to go to the Holy Ghost. We got to go to God and ask him to teach us how not to squander our money. Lord, teach us how to save. That same daughter. That, that 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 takes good care of me. It was something she was telling me. I said, well, hold up. Wait a minute. I can do that right there. She was like, what? Because do you think you've been blessing me and I just squandered all the money? Every two weeks you bless me and I'm just squandering. I, I, my bill's straight. I, I, some stuff I done paid off. I'm out of debt. 
Do you think I was just a year just squandering that money, just using it because you sent it to me? And I told him, when you get here, when you get home, I want to go on a trip. I, I want to go up, I think it's 121 till I can't go no further and see where it ends up, Gainesville, Old Keller. When I come out of there, I want to hit I-10, run on down to Pensacola. We're going to go through Tallahassee probably, Panama, and then we might be done past Tallahassee because we're in the Gainesville. Because we went off on the sideway. We went round up. Till I get down to Panama. I mean, get down to Pensacola. And then I want to look around, look down, and see what kind of seafood they got in Pensacola, down there by the, on the Gulf. You know what I'm saying. Oh, Louis gone. He, he would know. Yeah. As my treat this time, I'm treating my daughter. And I told her last night, I said, look, I don't want no fighting over this. This is what Jerry tell me when I do that. She said, don't act black. Please don't act black. Say what? Uh, don't act ghetto. I'm gonna do this, this, and this. So I told my daughter last night. I said I don't want you to say nothing. Just go with the flow, cause this is what I want to do. She's been a blessing to me for many a year, ever since she was really an adult. And by the time she turned 25, she was really showing out, Mama, and she thought she was really doing something. Yeah, my brother, he blessed. When he came, and I'm thankful. You see, so I want to give back, and I'm giving back through these pallets of whatever that I'm given. I can't, I can't tell them what I need, but I can't tell them, you know, don't send me this, don't send me that. I don't want that. I don't do that. Just send me whatever's in the pallet. I take it, sort it. I find out who can use. And today, many people can use many things. Oh, Brother Anthony, I got you right quick, right quick. Good morning, sir. God bless you. How are you, Brother Anthony? Good morning, Miss Barbara. Uh, doing all right. Bless, highly favored. And just want to, first of all, give God thanks for life, health, and strength, keeping my right mind, keeping me in my right mind, allowing me to see another day I've never seen before. Thank God for the activity of my limbs. And thank God for who he is to me, what he's doing in me, where he brought me from, where he's taking me yet. And I just thank God for life, health, and strength daily that he give me to continue to press on throughout my day and, you know, you know, do his will and not my will. And that he get the glory on and the praise out of my life. And I'm just glad to be here another day and hear y'all voice. And, you know, it's just a blessing. Uh, he had to let me see another day, but, you know, he woke me up this morning and gave me another Breath of life in my lungs, so I just thank God for it, and I'm just blessed, and you know, just here, and thank God for the uh, the word, the uh, prayer this morning, listening to, and uh, enjoy this weekend as well. Uh, got me a good laugh on <laughs> this weekend, so I'll be just tickled about that, y'all ladies. So I'm uh, just blessed, and uh, just thank God for fellowship, and you know, just uh, friends and. Uh, Fellowship, you know, just thank God for that. And uh, I just, I kind of do wanted to say, you know, even what you were just speaking on, you know, right before, you know, the, about the supporting the Jesus in the morning, but, uh, you know, just 
uh, with the with the ministry, you know, like you say, you need to be careful, you know, about ministries that you know we be into, what we get into. Now, just thinking about, you know, as well as what that young lady was talking about on Friday, you know, in her testimony, you know, being she how she grew up and her family, and then you know she was saying how her grandmother on her dad's side, you know, how you know they had uh, um, like uh, had they had a coat, you know, and you know she not knowing, you know, if she was in that. You know, and then you know, as you know, the listeners who were, if they were listening, you know, seeing the situation and what arose. But in the end, you know, we know God is faithful and He is always with us. But uh, you know, we 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 need to uh know, you know, and we have to be careful, you know. And Lord, just you know, kind of put that in my spirit, and uh, you know, you you came with that this morning, so you just confirmed some things on on my end. You know, some things that you know the Lord just been revealing to me. You know, and all uh, you know, it just it just blessed me, and I I just thank God for God keeping me and covering me. You know, and what I'm doing. You know, and all uh, you know in my life, and you know not letting nothing come, no harm or danger come to me. You know, He got me. He He He's with me daily, and you know I I just thank God. You know, for everything He's doing for Him. You know, continue to to keep me, you know, so just a blessing and blessed to also be here, you know, and on this ministry and, you know, just hear, hear the word and testimonies and everybody, you know, that comes in and speaks and, you know, so it's a blessing to know and hear, you know, the voices and, you know, and just know how, you know, this ministry continue to grow, you know, and how we, you know, reach out to, across across the nations, you know, that's, that's a blessing, you know. So you know, I just thank God for your obedience, and I thank God for, you know, God continuing to draw us as believers, you know, to the ministry and, and the word that goes forth, you know, it's just a blessing. So I just ask y'all just to continue to pray for me, my strength in the Lord, and my walk, you know, that I can continue to describe the the press to, to to hit the mark, you know, and uh, continue to walk in what he just called me to do uh, according to the calling on my life and as well as the calling on each and every listener life and what God has ordained for y'all. You know, I just speak that it shall come to pass and it shall manifest as we continue to seek God and his word and pray, you know, that we will continue to grow stronger daily. So I thank God for that, and I just bless, and y'all have a blessed, awesome day, and amen. And good morning to uh, everybody. Good morning to everybody as well. Amen. Amen, Brother Anthony. God is faithful. He's for us. He's dead on our side. He loves us. He cares about us. He said we can cast our cares upon him, for he cares for us. So whatever you're caring about, whatever is coming your way and, and you want it done, and this is a care for you, you take it to the Lord in prayer. He knows his thoughts towards us, nothing evil. He got good thoughts for us, and he want to bring us to an expected end. You expecting good, he want to bring you there. But we got to have faith and trust and believe. And it's already all right in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank God for his son, Jesus. Listen, we're going to pray out and uh, go to our last song of the morning, and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. And uh, we're closing out with Jonathan McReynolds, uh, The Way That You Love is the name of this song. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. Lord, we thank you for a mind and a heart to put you first. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to put you first in our lives. Lord, we want you to be the God of our lives. For without you, we can do nothing. And Father, it's you that looks beyond our fault and yet meet our needs. We don't even look beyond our own fault. We blame ourselves and hold ourselves. But God, you look beyond it and yet meet our needs. We, As we depart this morning, bless every caller and every listener. Father, bless Brother D. Strengthen his hand, O oh God, and bless his family. Bless Brother Anthony this morning and bless his family. Strengthen his hand, O oh God, as a man. In the name of Jesus. Do it for Brother Louis, God, this morning. Brother Jermaine and every brother that come to Jesus in the morning. Do it for them today in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless my son, Trayvon, God. You know what he's standing in need of today. Move by your spirit for him. Lord, anything with him that's not of you, God, we ask this morning that you would remove it. We bind it up. We rebuke it and bind it up and cast it to the pits of hell in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we ask that you would rebuke it all for his sake and your sake in the name of Jesus. Be first in his life. Father, you know what to do, that he will accept you and he will allow you to be first in his life in the name of Jesus. And, Father, I ask that. We bless our going out this morning and bless our coming in. Continue to meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Touch and heal those that are sick here today. Lord, make us all feel better in the name of Jesus. Heal. Heal today. We know that you took a beating for the healing of the nation. And it's you that healed all manner of sickness and disease. Whatever the illness, whatever the that the disease may be, whatever. Father, we know you're able. Heal today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You didn't say we had to beg. You said ask. And Father, those that are standing in the need of finances, Lord, move for them. And those that squander money, Lord, teach them how to stop squandering and how to save. And God, they can be a blessing to themselves and their families. They don't have to ask nobody for nothing because they've learned how not to squander their money. In the name of Jesus, every need, God, meet it today. Things we haven't said, do it for us in the name of Jesus. We ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves the cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings, uncommon blessings of Almighty God today. September the 25th, 2023, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, and we're going to our last song of the morning. And again, have a blessed day. I've seen rain, it's been dark I've felt pain, got these scars Sometimes it's all I can 
sun, give me light, got to be more to this life, can't lie, it's been colder than December, but when it comes to survival, there's only one friend that I know, that I can truly depend on, I know, the way that you love Exactly what God can do. 